Okay, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Cannabis Minority Report podcast powered by the National Cannabis Industry Association. I am filling in for your host, Khadijah Adams, today. Khadijah is, as you all know, in Jamaica, and they are experiencing some uh, tropical storms down there, so Khadijah's power is out. So sending some good thoughts to Khadijah, as well as everybody else in the Caribbean. Um, I know that uh, Puerto Rico has been experiencing some, some serious issues down there, and just, you know, hearts and, hearts and prayers and thoughts go out to everybody in Puerto Rico and anybody else that's being affected by the storm down there. Um, so um, uh, on that note, um, we do have a, a great show for you here today. Um, we're gonna be joined in a, in a little bit here by a very special guest coming in from California. Um, and in the meantime, we have some great stories for you today, some great news stories, just give you a little bit of the update on that. Uh, just to remind everybody here, or if you're new to the show, uh, the goal of our show is to highlight minority entrepreneurs in the cannabis space and share weekly news updates about what they're doing in and for the industry as a whole. Uh, with, this is the NCI's way of supporting minorities in the cannabis industry. We interview minority and women entrepreneurs, companies that support social equity and social justice, social equity applicants themselves, and a host of other cannabis in- industry leaders and pioneers. So when we return from our commercial break, we'll catch you up on the latest news as it relates to minorities in cannabis. And I'll be speaking with cannabis entrepreneur and Alexis Angulo of Pretty and Posh. So we'll learn about her story uh, in just a little bit. Well, here at the National Cannabis Industry Association, we have proudly represented small businesses across the cannabis industry since 2010. We represent Main Street Cannabis, not Wall Street Cannabis. We have come so far in this fight to legalize cannabis that it seems that it's almost inevitable. And we're the ones making sure that as those rules are written, they favor small businesses, mom and pop operators, and Main Street Cannabis, not Wall Street Cannabis. In addition to making sure that your voice is heard at the federal level, being a member of NCIA also means building a vibrant community of small business owners within the cannabis space. Because we can always learn so much better by working together, learning from our mistakes and our successes, and building this industry together. So if you're interested in making sure that small businesses and Main Street Cannabis has a seat at the table, be sure to join NCIA at thecannabisindustry.org. All right, so welcome back. Uh, we have one real main news story I want to hit you with today, and that is the fact that today is September 26th, which is the day that the card applications for New York are due. So New York, as a lot of you who've been following the cannabis industry, is really been making a lot of waves in cannabis uh, in the industry, really setting the tone, uh, looking to set the tone on the East Coast. And now, not to say anything against any other states that have been out there, but we all know the massive size and weight that the New York market does take. Uh, does hold in the space. Uh, so for those of you that aren't aware, uh, the, first, the, the first licenses for adult use will be for the dispensaries. So the, um, the conditional adult use retail dispensary applications, they are due today. Now, one big note on this is that they are uh, setting aside about, and I'm not sure about the exact number, but 100 to 200 licenses. And of these, about 100 to 200 licenses they are being prioritized for what they call in New York justice-involved individuals. Uh, justice-involved individuals mean individuals that have been uh, either arrested themselves for a cannabis offense or have a direct family member who has been arrested for a cannabis offense. Now, in New York, uh, this is uh, really important, just like in any of every other state, but in New York, especially with the stop-and-frisk policies and the pre-stop-and-frisk policies before they even called it stop-and-frisk, uh, they've been going on for decades in that state. Uh, New York has had some of the harsher drug laws in the nation for a long time, and a lot of the harshest, harsher policing 
of uh, minority communities in the nation for a long time. And so seeing New York take this really important step has been uh, very critical to the advancements of uh, creating more diversity, equity, inclusion in the industry. And I know that New York, maybe not, especially with that history, doesn't have, you know, uh, what you would say maybe the best track record in this area. But what we're seeing is that they are being uh, thoughtful in how they're laying this out. And I'm not just saying this to just kind of uh, pay lip service to it. I'm saying this because we we're looking at um, who, so I should back up here. The NCAA has been uh, conducting for the last several months a ongoing roundtable discussion uh, consisting of multiple national and New York-based cannabis social equity and industry organizations and associations in order to assess and provide feedback regarding rules and regulations. I've had the privilege of being a part of this roundtable discussion that includes associations like Minorities for Medical Marijuana, um, the uh, Social Equity Committee co-chairs of the NYCHBCCIA, uh, NYC Normal, the Black and Brown Economic Power in Cannabis, BB Epic, uh, the Justice Foundation, United Legacy Operators Council, Unlock, uh, as well as uh, the Minority Cannabis Business Association, MCBA. Uh, there's also been some, some other uh, uh, very strong uh, companies at the, the table. Uh, the People's Ecosystem, uh, which is one of our show's sponsors, has actually been at the table as well, as well as Etain, uh, which is one of the ROs in New York, uh, the, 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 um, the medical operators that have been there. And what I will say is that uh, there is a lot of shade thrown with the medical operators uh, and, and understandably, you know, they, they, they've been dominating the marketplace. What I will say about Etain is that Etain seems to be cut from a different cloth and it's been really great to have them at the table with us as well. Um, so I say this all to say that uh, what we've been doing is really digging our teeth in and really working as a group collaboratively to figure out how to, to make uh, the, the most of uh, working together and collaborating on on coming up with uh, recommendations for regulations and rules and so on and so forth, and really to start the conversation with the Office of Canvas Management in New York. Uh, what's really been encouraging is seeing who uh, has been um, you know, appointed. Uh, Damian Fagan, uh, of, uh, who was of NYCGPA and actually was part of our, our roundtable discussion at one point in time before his appointment, um, is, uh, is, is really, I think, a great choice in New York. And we just found out last month that John Kagia uh, is um, is now the new policy director for the Office of Cannabis Management, or the uh, I think that's his official title. Uh, but basically, my reason for bringing this up is that you know um, it, we talk all the time about these entities, these states, these these municipalities. But at the end of the day, a lot of times it comes down to the people that are pulling the, that are pulling the levers in these different offices, and knowing that the people that are in these offices are people that have been doing the work on the ground in the industry for a long time and very methodically and thoughtfully and carefully, and that they care about equity in the industry is really encouraging to see. So I'm encouraged by the direction that things can go in. I know that it's not gonna be smooth because what state has had any kind of a smooth rollout, um, but I am encouraged to see what can happen uh, in New York as we develop. And I'm really encouraged by the efforts of our roundtable discussion that we've been having and that we look forward to being able to uh, you know, coordinate with the Office of Canada's Management around. Uh, stay tuned for, for news on that because we will be doing a, um, a webinar at the NCIA uh, presenting some of our recommendations and our findings thus far. I believe we're looking at doing that in the first week of November. Um, so that was the main thing I wanted to kind of bring up today because it is a hot button item going on and we have been doing a lot of work at NCIA to, to be involved in that whole process. Uh, one other little uh, shout out that I'm going to give here is to a couple of really good friends of mine in the industry. Hush is, uh, they have just, they have announced their after party for BizCon. In, uh, in, in Las Vegas. I'm really excited about doing that, uh, going, going and checking that party out. Um, for those of you who don't know Hush, 
they really have been setting the tone in a lot of ways in Chicago in really helping to normalize cannabis and really elevate the experience of cannabis in the industry. And I'm looking forward to seeing their special brand of uh, the cannabis experience out there in Las Vegas, uh, connecting the Midwest and, uh, and BizCon. So uh, I think uh, tickets are still available for, not tickets are still available, they, they just released tickets and I think that they have the, uh, the, the pre-sale going on at this point in time. So definitely check them out. Um, so let's see, uh, I think that's the main news that I wanted to bring up today. We want to focus on New York with everything happening there. And we'll definitely keep you all updated on that moving forward. So we're going to go ahead and take another break right now. When we get back, I'm really excited for our special guest today, uh, Alexis Angulo from Pretty and Posh. Uh, amazing story here. Uh, a lot of work to be, you know, a licensed operator in California, in Sacramento. Uh, we don't, there's not too many uh, <laughs> uh, folks that can say that. So uh, we'll be back really shortly here with Alexis and I'll hear about her story. So take a break here now. Well, here at the National Cannabis Industry Association, we have proudly represented small businesses across the cannabis industry since 2010. We represent Main Street Cannabis, not Wall Street Cannabis. We have come so far in this fight to legalize cannabis that it seems that it's almost inevitable. And we're the ones making sure that as those rules are written, they favor small businesses, mom and pop operators, and Main Street Cannabis, not Wall Street Cannabis. In addition to making sure that your voice is heard at the federal level, being a member of NCIA also means building a vibrant community of small business owners within the cannabis space. Because we can always learn so much better by working together, learning from our mistakes and our successes, and building this industry together. So if you're interested in making sure that small businesses and Main Street Cannabis has a seat at the table, be sure to join NCIA at thecannabisindustry.org. Awesome. All right. So we are back now with Alexis, uh, the founder of Pretty and Posh. Really excited to hear about your story here today. And I would, I, I, you know, rather than introduce you and really kind of probably butcher the story behind it, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. But what I will say is that I got to meet you in person for the first time. I want to say back in, um, I don't know, I think in July, August, something along those lines, uh, we were, and I talked about that here on the show, actually. Uh, it was at the Baca uh, Bay Area Latino Cannabis Alliance. Uh, book release. Uh, for those of you who don't know BACA, Bay Area Latino Cannabis Alliance, they've been doing amazing work on the ground in the Bay Area and in Northern California, building a lot of bridges and alliances and coalition, uh, really bridging a lot of gaps and bringing people together in the cannabis industry, providing a platform for people that maybe don't always have the, the, the biggest platform, so to speak. Uh, their book, which um, I don't have with me, but I showed everybody here. It's a beautiful book, beautiful cover, and the book has amazing content. It includes even a story by San Carlos Santana, the legend himself is in there. Uh, and it just has a lot of great stories about the cannabis industry and the history of cannabis that we're writing right now. It's also the first, I wanna say, um, bilingual newsletter in the country. And so I got to meet Alexis actually in Oakland at a dispensary there where there was, a, uh, there was an event with several brands there uh, representing the Bay Area, representing uh, Northern California and representing the Latino community. So uh, Alexis, really excited to have you here now on the show here so we can talk more about your experience and how you've been able to be in cannabis and all the trials and tribulations you've gone through and the, really and the inspiration that you're providing for a lot of people to, to be in this industry and show that you don't have to necessarily do things the traditional route necessarily in order to be here. So Alexis, um, could you tell us a little about yourself and just kind of like, you know, uh, tell us about Pretty and Posh and what, what your brand is and, you know, what you do. Yeah, so um, just... 
I'll just um, briefly go over it again. So my name is Alexis Angulo. I'm the founder of Pretty and Posh. So I founded Pretty and Posh last year. Um, so a little bit about how I got started. Um, it dates back to like when I was born, my dad was arrested for the sale of cannabis. So I didn't have a re relationship with him at all growing up. I started smoking back in 2016 and I got introduced to Sour Diesel by the local plug and I was freaking hooked at the time I wanted to be a doctor. So I was like working as a chief medical scribe in Stockton. I was always highly motivated. I was getting my clinical hours. I was learning about the medicinal side of cannabis. And that's when I really realized that I wanted to be a healer. Um, cannabis is a medicine and I was seeing the medicinal effects of cannabis right before my eyes. So I really started to hate Western medicine and, you know, the whole, idea of pushing pills and being having people in these cycles of illness. So I really wanted to change the stigma about it. So started getting involved in city council meetings. And through city council meetings, I learned about the core program. It's a cannabis opportunity reinvestment program established by the federal government to help people affected by the war on drugs. Um, so the federal government came out, realized that they really did fuck up. They were severe repercussions by the war on drugs. And a lot of people like myself ended up without a mom or dad because of it. And so now they're like, all right, well, let's just fund these programs, help these people get into these businesses. And so I was in the program since 2019. I got the opportunity early last year to take out a loan. And so with the loan, I became a licensed cannabis manufacturer at the age of 25. And shortly after I launched Pretty and Posh and within a month of launching, I sold to the biggest retailer in California, Stizzy. I got into 12 of their stores and I've just been grinding ever since. And it's been a really cool dream that came true because I mean, at first, like the California market has changed a lot, but at first it was like, oh, there's thousands of brands on the market. Like what's going to set you apart? Why would you even do that? Like you're going on this route to be a doctor. Why would you even switch out of it? So I did get a lot of resistance from family, from friends, from everyone. Nobody told me that this was a good idea and now I'm here. So I'm really proud of myself for that. And, and you should be, I mean, uh, to, to, that, that's a that's a meteoric rise but you know they, they always talk about you know that this stuff doesn't happen overnight right mm -hmm. and you know you even mentioned you know yeah okay you launched pretty impossible said a year ago but you've been you've been in the core program for a few years and you've been affected by the war on drugs since you know before you can remember so you know can you tell us um i guess about you know you mentioned in there a minute ago that your family your family your friends weren't really exactly uh, enthusiastic about you making this kind of a transition. Um, why, why, why did you do it? I mean, what made you say, no, I believe in myself. I'm going to make this happen. So it goes back to wanting to be a healer. I, since the age of five, wanted to be a doctor. I was like a little kid. You could ask me what I wanted to be. I'd be a doctor. And now that I got that experience of what a doctor actually looks like, um, I wanted, I changed my thought into wanting to be a healer. And to me, cannabis is a medicine. It does heal people. And seeing that like in front of my eyes, I would see like 60 year olds come in and have severe chronic gout and they couldn't even walk. And then they'd be like, oh, I'm going to go smoke a joint, come back the next day, the gout's gone. And I'm like, wait, what the fuck is this? What's going on? And to me to see this, it was almost a miracle drug. So to have people tell me like, oh no, you're wrong. But then I'm seeing this medicinal side of it it's like you don't know what you're talking about so let me just figure it out and I mean 
I've always had a really good relationship with my family. So thankfully they got over it. They were like, all right, if you're going to invest your time, your money, that's you. And you know, you're crazy. And they just like have respected it. And my family helps me now with my business as much as they can. So they, they're not completely like negative about it, but they for sure were just skeptical in the beginning. That's awesome. And so, I mean, we have a certain sense of full cycle, full circle here, right? Because uh, you know, 20 something years ago, your, your father going to, to prison for this. And now you have family members that are actually helping support you in this business and be a part of the business. Um, can you tell us about what makes Pretty Impost unique in the first place? What makes what makes the brand the brand? So I would say it's all pink. My packaging, um, I wanted it to have um, to cater to the feminine essence because the plant is feminine. And I noticed coming into it, everybody was all big about cookies, branding, like with blue, blacks and like greens. Like it was just super masculine. And for me being a heavy stoner, it's like when I walk into a dispensary, I want it to be somewhat catered to me, whether it's pink or it's girly or like the lettering is a little bit groovy, like Barbie lettering, just something different. Because if not, then I'm just paying $60, $70 for top shelf that has like a girl, a cartoon girl with her tits out. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, it's not catered to me. And when I was doing my research, about 50% of the consumers are female. So when women go out shopping at Sephora at the mall, they tend to spend more money on products that they can relate to versus products that they can't. So I think that was going to be a big thing moving forward in the recreational market is that we also have to create a space for both men and women. Absolutely. And, and, I, and I, you know, I want to just give a nod to you on that one, because, you know, going back several years in California, it's something that people talked about we've talked about the fact that all these brands are marketed towards men i mean i you know i don't know if you ever went to a hemp con but it was very very much marketed towards men back in the day uh, you know, trap con or you want to call it back then um and you know and yet at the same time you didn't see people actually taking the step in and doing this and maybe in southern california a little bit but definitely not north california um so all these years and so you know it took i just want to say you know as as an fellow entrepreneur it takes a certain amount of courage to, to take that step because a lot of people knew this and yet nobody was really doing it. Um, so what kind of, what kind of um, products do you guys uh, have in, in the first place? So right now um, I'm focusing on indoor premium cannabis and then I'm also focusing on tinctures. So my tinctures are a thousand milligram THC. I wanted to create products that were like highly potent and at an affordable price for the consumers because I smoke a lot of cannabis. So I need like high grade cannabis, like I'm really picky with my cannabis too. I wanted to have the white ash with a resin ring when I smoke. So a lot of consumers don't know about those things or about like curating the, the cannabis properly. That's what gives you those components. So for me, it's like, I wanted to source the highest quality product and then be able to give it at the best price because it's also a medicine. I don't think people should be paying over $50 for an A. That's ridiculous. Yeah, and that goes back to your, uh, you know, your roots as a healer and your desire to do that. And, and that's what you're doing, right? I mean, that's what we're doing in the cannabis industry. We're bringing healing to the masses. Um, yeah. I don't you know, but I'm, I'm actually trained acupuncturist herbalist. So I, I really believe in, in the power of, of natural medicine and, and uh, you know, plant medicine, really. Um, so um, let's see. I had a couple other questions that I wrote down here for you. I'm just like, I'm like, oh, we could go into the medicine side of stuff right now. But I'm like, I know there's a couple of things I, I wanted to definitely cover today. 
Um, so can, can you tell us a little bit more about um, the, the, the core program and, you know, and I know that we were just talking a minute ago about Cal Asian as well, and just kind of, you know, the, the incubation that you did get in Sacramento uh, that helped with uh, accelerating your business. Can you tell us a little bit about that program and how that worked and how it, yeah, how, how it helped support you on, on your journey? So the core program um, is powered by the Cal Asian Chamber of Commerce, and they basically set up a 12-week program where um, I think it was sponsored by Colas as well. So we would go into the Colas um, retail centers, and then they would basically give us a full breakdown of what it's like to run a dispensary of cultivation, all of the cannabis businesses. They would give us like textbooks and full 101 breakdown on what cannabis is like. And um, that basically prepared me to actually understand the cannabis industry because I didn't know the differences between the licenses and then switching from the BCC to the DCC was a big deal. So knowing what all the legislations and the laws within the BCC were, that was important, you know, before you even start investing into this business, knowing what you're getting started. So structurally, they basically set up everything that we needed to know as far as cannabis businesses, but we also needed to further our knowledge. Um, so then they also provided mentors and there was also different um, types of programs you could go into. I think they were also sponsored by the Cookies Impact program. So there's just different resources within the core program. So once you're in the program, you have connections into like the city of Oakland, the city of LA, different programs within them to help you be successful. Um, but then again, it comes back to applying yourself. And with a lot of people being um, affected by the war on drugs, we all have different you know, lives, right? We all have careers, we have families. So the core program did take a lot of time away from that. So being able to apply yourself into this business is what also, that's why I'm so successful because I did take it very seriously. I think during my first two years, I was dedicating 40 hours a week of just studying, of just mentoring and networking within the cannabis space. Like everyone that I I know today I knew before I even had a cannabis brand because uh, I, I mean and sorry yeah right no no go ahead no it's great um you know I mean and that's I just want to reiterate that you said 40 hours a week that you really invested of your time and your energy and I'm sure you also had your bills to pay and everything else to figure out mm -hmm. um so you know it's like because you know, we're sitting here we're talking and you know, again, like I said, you know, a lot of times people talk about overnight success, right? Because, oh, who's pretty impressive now all of a sudden here, you're on the scene, but 40 hours a week for how many years is, is not, is, it's not, it's no small thing, right? And I really want to emphasize that to people because I think that a lot of times people looking to get in the cannabis industry, you know, it's not to say that people think it's going to be easy because I know they think it's going to, they know it's going to be hard, but they don't really understand the amount of dedication it's going to take. And that's something I do want to point out here. Um, so what, Aside from, you know, on the surface level, what it takes to do 40 hours a week, you did mention, you know, being impacted by the war on drugs. What are, what have been some of the big challenges for you and how have you overcome them? So the biggest challenges have been funding, right? Like um, being a Latina in this space, not a lot of people are going to go. And even being a woman, a lot of women don't receive funding in any, in any business, right? So I've also have had to really prove myself because a lot of people didn't believe in this cannabis business. I had um, a business plan. I had business proposals. I had like 
full on graphics of what my market would be if I went into this space, if I received funding. So um, funding ha has been a huge issue for me. I'm completely self-funded. I've had to take out loans. Um, and a lot of my peers, like a lot of my competitors, they have, you know, partners that are investing millions into their businesses. So for me to have to be on the shelves and be competing with these other corporate brands, it's crazy. Like, it's kind of surreal. Like, how do I even keep up is my question. But I mean, I'm kind of keeping up, but not to my, the best of my ability. If I had more money, I would have been way further than I am now. So how have you been able to keep up? Because I know that it's challenging. And how have you been able to keep up? Like, what, what is, I guess, a better way to I really want to ask is a lot of other people are in the same shoes as you are in that way, but they're not even on these shelves yet, right? And they don't even necessarily have the licenses. How have you been able to just keep sticking with it? Like, is there some secret here that you have or some key to success? Like, what is it that you would give as advice to somebody else that's in the same shoes as you? I honestly just overworked myself. So like um, the me applying myself 40 hours a week for the four, first two years is very minimal. Now I'm applying myself 80 hours a week. Like I don't have much of a social life. So this is my life. I'm networking within the industry. I'm hanging out with people within the industry, all these buyers, dispensary owners. Like I'm finding out what events they're going to. I go to Hoth every year, even though if I can't afford the booth within there, I'm buying the ticket to go in and speak to every buyer there i'm going to mj biz even if i can't afford to be at the actual convention i'm still going in as like a regular attendee and networking and so i think it's just been networking and not giving up because at the beginning i did receive like a lot of negativity and it was very like all right well this is pink i don't want it and it's like a lot of buyers will close the door on you or your price is too expensive go lower so then i have to go back to sourcing you know, good quality product at the lowest price. So then I end up coming out of profit for that. So it's like, it's just been a lot of learning curves and just not giving up being persistent, you know, cause it is, it's my dream. So it's like, I have to work 10 times harder and then I'm self-operated. So I do my own bud tending demos. I go do my own sales. I do my own events. I answer my own emails. I'm on top of my social media and marketing. So it's like, I'm doing it all by myself. So I'm, I was pretty much working myself pretty thin at the beginning of the year. And then now I'm just at the point where I'm like, all right, people know about pretty and posh. I should just kind of take time to kind of breathe a little bit and just let it work on its own. And I mean, even by me not working so hard now that I've like I've established myself, right? So I worked really hard last year, 80 hours a week, establishing myself. And now that I'm established, I can, you know, sit back a little bit, allow my sales team to go out, sell my product for me, and it still sell itself without me having to work so hard for it. If yeah, and, and that is that is so key. I just want to say here, uh, it's something I advocate for a lot. And I don't know, I, I work a lot of hours too, so I'm not always the best person to say work less hours. But I think it's uh, what I do make sure I do is give myself my own time at times, right? So I do want to encourage you and everybody else that's listening in this space to make sure you do take care of yourself and that you do give yourself some space and some time and celebrate the wins and celebrate the wins by giving yourself the space and the time to, to take care of yourself. Um, so that said, you know, uh, what kind of support can we either at NCIA or our, our, or our uh, viewers, like, you know, how can we support you? How can we support Pretty and Posh? 
So there's a couple ways. Um, following me on social media, sharing my posts is a huge deal because Instagram always shadow bans anything cannabis related. Even if I just put the word cannabis in it on the caption, it'll just be shadow banned. So if you guys could just share um, and post anything, comment, that really helps with my um, analytics. And then I'm officially on Weed Maps for the next year. I'm on the social equity program for Weed Maps. So if anybody that's watching this is equity and they're starting their own brand, Weed Maps actually gives you a year free on their site, which is super expensive and it's super helpful for any brands getting started. So if you go and look at Pretty and Posh on Weed Maps and you hit the like button, um, that automatically brings me, helps my analytics with Weed Maps as well. So that's really helpful. And just, you know, spreading the word about Pretty and Posh, it's Latina owned, women owned and self-operated. And um, that really helps the more that people talk about my brand, the more that other buyers want to buy it. Awesome. No, I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, with Weed Maps, um, I, I, I did just hear about that program. And that's, uh, you know, uh, the it's not just that it's free, right? From my understanding, there's actually like a couple people that are dedicated to working with you to making sure that you're actually able to get the most out of the platform. It's not just like, hey, you have a free thing now and whatever. It's actually like they actually have a dedicated account manager and stuff. Is, is that correct? Yeah. So, um, once you have, so the being on weed maps is what's free, but then you get all these other resources through it. So like marketing, you can get banners on weed maps, um, you'll get alerts. So like they could also alert everyone within your area that you just launched on weed maps. So all of these are just different marketing things that really help you like boost your brand. So weed maps does have a whole team that caters to only equity brands. And that's really cool. That's great to know. And that's something that I think a lot of our viewers you know, can really benefit from as well. So reach out to Weed Maps about that program. Um, something else, I, shifting gears a little bit, what I'm really curious about now is also, um, you know, what is the vision for Pretty and Posh? Like, I know I, we kind of talked a little bit at the very beginning, but 10 years from now, mm-hmm. you know, you, you go on the trajectory that you're on right now, where is Pretty and Posh going to be 10 years from now? I'm praying to God that Pretty and Posh is available at local shops like, you know, like Nordstrom's or I just saw Fior. I don't know if you're familiar with old brands, California brands, but Fior used to be a woman owned brand in California and she just got into Nordstrom's as a CBD brand. So I'm hoping that in that next year, 10 years, when THC is federally legalized, we can now start finding it at the mall and that Pretty and Posh has their own boutique at the mall, you know, and obviously I'll grow more SKUs that are, you know, in the legal retail side, but I think I want it to be more mainstream and I think it will be at some point. That's awesome. I love that vision. I I, kind of, in my head, when you said that, I saw like the Mac counter that you see in certain places, you know, so yeah. I see pretty and posh uh, in, in certain places. You can see it from a mile away because you see the nice, pretty branding, the, the, the pink branding and everything too. So it'd be awesome. Um, so what's next for pretty and posh? Like what's, uh, what's you know, that's 10 years from now. What's, what's, down, what's coming down the pipeline over these next few months? So next Sunday, I, I'm actually throwing my first um, consumption event. So I had this opportunity in Sacramento at the Pineapple Store to throw an event. I'm going to have um, 150 guests come through. It's a woman in cannabis and business event. So I'll have female founders as speakers. Um, I'm having Cindy De La Vega, First Equity in SF. 
um, dispensary to set up. She's a partner of Stizzy's. I'm also having Maisha Bahati come through and speak. She's going to be the first equity owner in Sacramento to set up. So it's pretty cool seeing all these female founders come through and just enlighten the room. They've all inspired me to start my own brand. So it's kind of cool to see, you know, to just share that with everyone else in Sacramento. Absolutely. And just want to say here, I mean, we kind of take this for granted sometimes, when, you know, we're pioneering an industry here. And so again, it's not just that Pretty and Posh is a brand, it's also a brand and it's, you're part of a movement. You're creating movement here. You're supporting women entrepreneurs, you're supporting women in cannabis, you're supporting women who want to be able to normalize cannabis and you're supporting Latinas in cannabis, right? So, um, you know, that's, that's no small mantle to carry. And I think that's why, you know, if you said 80 hours a week ends up being the, the MO. Um, so uh, before we head out here today, uh, any other thoughts or, or uh, you know, any other thoughts you'd like to leave with, with uh, especially new entrepreneurs or other entrepreneurs that are, you know, grinding away and struggling and trying to figure it out? Like any, any thoughts that you'd like to leave us with here? I would say just stick to it. There's been multiple times this year where I've wanted to just give up. And honestly, you don't fail until you completely give up. Like failure isn't, isn't a thing. Like you might think that you sucked at something or that you are such a failure, but it's not a thing until you completely throw in the hat and give up on yourself and on your dreams. So just keep going at it. Times are tough for everybody. Like the economy is shit, but there's money to be made in any kind of business nowadays. It really just comes down to the entrepreneur and their spirit. Right. So like, for me, it's like, I've always loved doing sales and I could sell water to like a whale, you know, but to that's, that's in me. And for a lot of entrepreneurs, it's true. They just need to be pushed a little bit harder and be guided. And that's something that I'm really focused on in this next year, building an entrepreneurship network where I help other entrepreneurs come into the space and be guided the correct way. Because I made so many costly mistakes in the beginning that I will never get that money back. And I hate even thinking about how much money I spent, but I'd rather guide the future, right? Like the future Latinos, the future female leaders and, you know, have them be successful and thrive and learn from my mistakes. Awesome. Uh, that, that's a great vision and that's a great mission. Um, how do people get in touch with you then? Uh, and how do we follow you on Instagram? What are the what are all the handles and the ways to get in touch with you? Yeah, so uh, my website is www.prettyandposh.us. My Instagram is at prettyandposh underscore INC. And my phone number is 916-420-1958. If any of you guys have any questions, just feel free to reach out, text me. Um, I always respond to any texts or emails. Oh, and then my email is admin at prettyandposh.us. Awesome. Alexis, this has been a great conversation. I'm really excited to hear more about, you know, six months from now, I want to know where you've been. I want to, I'm really curious to hear about how the event is going to go next week. Really send you a lot of good thoughts on that one. Um, hopefully we'll see you in BizCon too, maybe at the Hush Party. Uh, and uh, yeah, just yeah, keep moving forward with Pretty and Posh. You know, a lot of people believe in you. And, you know, for good reason. And so just keep carrying that mantle and, and it's blazing those trails. So thank you so much, Alexis. Uh, we're going to come back in just uh, another minute here and we'll close up shop here today. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Mike. Well, here at the National Cannabis Industry Association, we have proudly represented small businesses across the cannabis industry since 2010. We represent Main Street Cannabis, not Wall Street Cannabis. We have come so far in this fight to legalize cannabis that it seems that it's almost inevitable. And we're the ones making sure that as those rules are written, 
They favor small businesses, mom and pop operators, and Main Street Cannabis, not Wall Street Cannabis. In addition to making sure that your voice is heard at the federal level, being a member of NCIA also means building a vibrant community of small business owners within the cannabis space. Because we can always learn so much better by working together, learning from our mistakes and our successes, and building this industry together. So if you're interested in making sure that small businesses and Main Street Cannabis has a seat at the table, be sure to join NCIA at thecannabisindustry.org. All right, so welcome back. Uh, thanks for joining us today. We had a great conversation with Alexis Angulo and uh, Pretty and Posh. Really excited to see where, where, where Pretty and Posh is going to be. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing Pretty and Posh in uh, Nordstrom 10 years from now, maybe even sooner than that, depending on how uh, federal legalization goes. Uh, we'll see. Uh, maybe we don't even need to get to that point in order to have that happen. Who knows? Um, so in the meantime, make sure that you subscribe to the Cannabis Minority Report podcast via Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or any of your favorite platforms. If you'd like your products highlighted on the Cannabis Minority Report podcast, or if you'd like to run your company's 30-second commercial during our show, make sure to email info at KhadijahAdams.com, uh, and Khadijah will, of course, take care of you and make sure everything works for you. Um, in the meantime, just as a reminder here, uh, Check out the NCIA's member news block. We have a great member spotlight series that we've been running for the last year or so now. A lot of great entrepreneurs like uh, Alexis are profiled and showcased in that. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of great uh, feedback on, on, that, on that series. Um, we also keep plugging into the Cannabis Minority Report. We have a webinar series that we're also uh, pushing out here soon. And just as a reminder, the mission of the DEI committee at the NCIA is to educate, advocate, engage, and empower the community of cannabis and its members by cultivating partnerships with other nonprofit organizations with similar goals, providing resources that create and sustain an environment that is inclusive, equitable, and diverse. We are committed to building a culture that respects our members and celebrates the contributions as we work together to strengthen all communities in cannabis. So until next Monday, I'll sign off like Khadija always does. Peace, love, and hippie stuff. The Cannabis Minority Report is a production of the National Cannabis Industry Association and its Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. We are hosted every week by Khadijah Adams and Mike Lamuto. Our executive producers are Aaron Smith and Vince Chandler. We are directed by Vince Chandler. We are produced by Bethany Moore, Vince Chandler, and Khadijah Adams. The Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee is focused on recommendations that will create access to opportunity for those most adversely affected by cannabis prohibition. Don't forget to like and subscribe here on YouTube, Facebook, or wherever you happen to be listening to the show. See you next week.